Hello, and welcome to the Global Trading Podcast. I'm Terry Flanagan, editor at Global Trading. Topic for our podcast today is the SIBO theoretical value. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Jerry Hanwick. Jerry is VP Software Engineering Information Solutions at SIBO. Jerry, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, thank you, Terry. Glad to be here. If I can just open with a little background. U.S. options trading volumes have not slowed down in 2020. In fact, total cleared contract volume in just the first nine months of the year surpassed the highest full year on record, which was 2018. And we're all on the edge of our seats for how the upcoming election will impact markets, volume, and volatility. While there is much to dissect about the latest enthusiasm seen within the marketplace for options, very pleased to be joined by Jerry today, who is here to discuss the creation of a richer options pricing model. For our listeners that are not familiar, SIBO Information Solutions is the result of several strategic acquisitions. There was LiveVol and DataShop in 2015, Silex in 2017, and a hat trick in 2020. Hanweck, FT Options, and TradeAlert, in addition to its existing SIBO Global Indices business. Comprehensive product suite of data analytics, indices, and execution services arms market participants with a wide variety of solutions that can simplify the complexities of navigating the derivatives marketplace. Jerry, we understand through the introduction of the SIBO theoretical value or SIBO Theo, SIBO Information Solutions will take another step forward in achieving a cohesive data set to help customers better understand risk, access markets, and make more informed trading decisions. So if you can make sense of all this for us, let's begin with what is the theoretical value of an option and how is it determined? Yeah, thanks, Terry. So, uh, you know, as most of our listeners will know, right, the value of an option depends on several factors. the, you have the underlying price, you've got volatility, you've got the strike price of the option, whether it's a put or call, expiration date, et cetera. So all of these things go into valuing an option. There's different models to price options. And, and you know, I think most of our listeners would be familiar with the Black-Scholes model as one of those. Um, but in general, an option pricing model takes these input factors and converts them into a theoretical value, a model value, uh, and theoretical risk parameters, for example, uh, things like uh, the Greeks, you know, Delta, Gamma, Vega, and so forth. And this is pretty critical. You know, we, having an accurate theoretical value uh, is important for trading. It's important for P&L. It's important for risk management. It's important for calculating margin. You know, pretty much anything that trader or risk manager is going to be looking at, you need to have an accurate theoretical value. And this is especially true as we've seen, uh, you know, in many situations when, when markets get thinly quoted or not quoted at all, uh, you want to have a theoretical value to tell you, uh, hey, the bid ask spreads very wide, but what's the fair value or theoretical value of this option uh, currently? What we've done within uh, the SIBO Information Solutions Group is, is look at different ways of coming up with these theoretical values. And, and we've settled on what we think is a very sophisticated next generation improvement to the existing uh, theoretical values and, and data sets that we that we create within the SIBO Information Solutions uh, Options Analytics product suite. This new methodology 
combines the best features of the methodologies that we've used across the various companies that you mentioned uh, that have been recently acquired. So uh, Hanwick, FT Options, LiveVault, uh, each of us had our own approach to, to modern, modeling theoretical values. And we've uh, blended those together and, and come up with what we think is really a, a top tier uh, Im, uh, improvement to, to all of those. Thank you for that, Jerry. Now, now what specific utility does the SIBO theoretical value or SIBO theo provide to the marketplace? Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question. There, there were a lot of catalysts that, that, that drove us to create this uh, enhancement to our, to our products, the SIBO theoretical value. We wanted to have a single value that was driven by a single methodology across all, op- all option analytics products and uh, all of the options uh, that traded out in the uh, out in the marketplace, so that end users would receive a consistent theoretical option price across the entire suite of services. Um, the second catalyst that that drove us was a methodology that would be stable and robust in illiquid markets, uh, fast moving markets, periods of market disruption, say when bid ask spreads go very wide, uh, or when they disappear entirely. Uh, also, another use case that related to that is uh, coming up with theoretical values when the options market's closed. Uh, and I can give a couple examples of these. So uh, some people may remember February 5th of 2018. That was, a, I think uh, people called that Volmageddon was the, the, the name that got tagged to that day. Uh, VIX had spiked way, way up. And uh, that would be in the category of what I call market disruption. And uh, bid ask spreads, even on products like SIBO's SPX, which is the most liquid uh, options product in the world, went uh, very wide. Um, and a lot of uh, market participants were concerned. They they needed to know, you know, where 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 are our option values? What is our portfolio doing at this point? And without good theoretical values, it's very hard to tell what your PNL is, what's your risk. Uh, what's your exposure? Uh, what margin might you have to come up with at the end of the day? So that's an example. That was one of the catalysts that that really drove us was that kind of market disruption. Um, and as I mentioned, another use case is when markets are closed. Uh, currently, um, the equity options market does not uh, trade 24 hours a day. Uh, it did it, it is closed for much of the day while the equities, the underlying equities, are still trading. Um, so early morning hours uh, and evening hours in particular. And during those times, a lot of market participants uh, have a need to know what's the theoretical value of an option, say, after the close and the options are not trading or quoting. But let's say uh, a company has just announced earnings and its stock has, has jumped you know, up 10%. What's the new value of, of the uh, options with that change? And so having a model that allows market participants to uh, get a theoretical valuation. It's, it's obviously not a market value because the markets are closed, but get a theoretical valuation uh, that's accurate and robust uh, and timely uh, in, in periods when they don't necessarily see uh, quotes on their screens for the options. Uh, the third catalyst was we wanted a, a methodology that was coherent across all the strikes um, uh, basically free of arbitrage. Um, that's a pretty important point when you're coming up with a theoretical value is you don't want it to have arbitrageable prices. Uh, that 
allows market participants to trust trust those values. They know that they're going to be consistent, coherent. They're going to make sense. They're going to not introduce uh, spread arbitrage or butterfly arbitrage, and they can use those for risk management uh, in, in it with, with a fair amount of confidence. Um, that also gives us the ability to go and interpolate <clears throat> and even extrapolate theoretical values outside of the normal trading range or listed products. So, you know, if, if uh, let's say uh, flex options is a good example where uh, there may not be a listed uh, 100 strike in a particular instrument, but if someone wants to trade that flex option, um, then they could, they could get a theoretical value for that by extrapolating out in the theoretical model. That also allows us to look at hypothetical uh, what if scenarios, you know, what if the market's down 10%, what would certain options be priced at? Uh, that, that's all the kind of thing that comes out of uh, the theoretical uh, value model. Mm-hmm. So all of this, you know, all of this basically boils down to giving our customers accurate information with which they can then evaluate their trading decisions, position uh, values, their exposure, their risk, uh, particularly when that information is not readily available in the market. Very certainly pricing models are not new to the marketplace and there's no shortage of them out there. What sets SIBO Theo apart? How does it how does it differentiate? Yep. Well certainly uh, you know option pricing models have been around uh, much longer than I have. You know, most textbook option pricing models that we we hear about, you know, certainly Black Shoals is the most famous, but but there's lots of others that have been worked on throughout the years. Uh, they they don't or cannot accurately represent a wide variety of uh, volatility skews and volatility smiles that that we see in the real options market. I think the, again, going back to the Black Scholes model, which is everybody's kind of uh, favorite, you know, it's, it basically assumes a flat volatility skew. You have one parameter that goes into the Black Scholes model for volatility, and if you treated that model as as a model of the entire skew, well, you would have a flat volatility skew. And, and that's certainly not realistic. Volatilities are higher than, than than call volatilities in the SPX. We see a volatility smile where where the the, the wings of the volatility skew start to tilt up. Yeah, you know, so Black Shoals alone is not a good representation of the smile. I mean, certainly, you could put different implied vols in for each option, and you get a Black Shoals price. But that's not the same as using the Black Shoals model to model the entire uh, options uh, skew. Then there's more sophisticated models that have become popular over the years. Stochastic volatility uh, is one, which is uh, essentially saying that volatility itself can move around. There's volatility of volatility. Uh, certainly, with the VIX, you know we've seen that that's the case. The VIX represents the volatility of the uh, S&P 500 options, but the VIX itself is very volatile. So we know that a good option pricing model should incorporate volatile volatility. But again, a stochastic volatility model alone is not a great representation of the, of the volatility skew. Uh, similarly, uh, researchers have put together models with, with jumps in the underlying price. Again, very realistic. We do see times when certainly on, on an event, an earnings announcement, or uh, some kind of news event, uh, Stocks or even the major indices can 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 jump. Right, the price is discontinuous. It, it could jump up or down some amount. Um, but again, jump models and jump diffusion models alone model some smiles and skews, but not the type of stuff that we see in uh, the SPX weeklies. 
And, you know, over the past few years, we've also started to see what I'll call W-shaped volatility skews. These are, as you might imagine, a, a volatility skew that has a sort of W shape to it. And it's, it's re readily observable in names like Amazon, Apple, Tesla, uh, when you're in front of an earnings announcement. So if an earnings amount announcement is a few days away, these options have a density of strikes that allow you to, uh, <clears throat> you really kind of home in on this W shape. Um, and the W shape is driven by uh, the event. Uh, effectively, if you want to think of one, one scenario that would drive a W shaped volatility skew is an earnings announcement where you think that uh, the earnings are either going to be good or bad. Some people might think they're going to be bad. Some people might think they're going to be good. That's what makes markets. And the stock price is kind of settling right in the middle between good and bad scenario. Everybody know, knows that everything is going to move a bit. And so they do is they buy some straddles in the middle. That bids up the, the middle of the vol skew. They know the earnings aren't going to be horrific or really, really knock uh, the cover off the ball. So they sell the wings out of the the volatility skew. You know, effectively, they're, they're buying butterflies. And that and that trade pushes up the middle of the volatility skew potentially enough to create this W shape. And then the far out wings are driven by things like uh, stochastic volatility and other kinds of risks. So yeah, this has become more prevalent in these uh, options around earnings for uh, some of these names that have very fine gradation of strikes uh, and are very liquid. Um, so you need a model that can model these complex skews, W shapes, um, some of the little bumps that you see in the SPX weekly skew. And each model alone has its own strengths and weaknesses. Uh, Black-Scholes model is, is, everybody understands that. They use it as kind of the de facto language for quoting vol, right? Everybody, when everyone quotes volatility, they're quoting a Black-Scholes volatility. Stochastic vol models uh, represent certain aspects of the market jump models. So what we did was we, we said, you know what, each model has its strengths. Let's use those strengths. Alone, they can't represent the skews. But if we bring them together into what's called a mixture model, an ensemble, then together you get kind of the best of all these models. And you can start to represent extremely complex skews, including W shapes and these bumpy SPX weeklies that are... Um, very flexible. It's very scalable. The theoretical values are sound. Uh, a mixture of option pricing models is a valid option pricing model that does not introduce arbitrage. And so you can you can combine all these models together. And and if you need to uh, fit more complex SKUs, if the marketplace decides to throw something complex our way, then we can add different types of models into the mixture to accommodate that behavior that we see. This approach with the mixture models, this ensemble of models, has served us pretty well. It's, it's very flexible. Um, we can quickly adapt to new volatility regimes, new behavior. Uh, and then, <clears throat> yeah, we have one other component to this, which is what I'll call the Bayesian time series approach. So within within SIBO Information Solutions, we've we've approached this uh, issue of stability across time by using time series statistical techniques to, in some sense, smooth the data over time. What you don't want in a theoretical model is something that bounces around. You don't want your theoretical price to be bouncing around, say, as the underlying moves or as the bid-ask spread widens and narrows, you want to have some stability. Uh, so if the bid-ask spread were suddenly to just broaden out, you know, like like what happened on February 5th of 2018, mm -hmm. uh, you, you want to have something that says, I remember, you know, I remember 
what the volatility model parameters were like uh, five minutes ago when bid ask spreads were tight. And just because bid ask spreads go wide, I'm not going to forget what I just learned. So this time series uh, smoothing or time series fitting that have creates that memory. It, it creates this way to dynamically fit the the model in real time to real data. And then if things go crazy, if bid ask spreads widen out or quotes disappear, the model will still continue with that memory of what the model parameters were and still bring in new information. So as soon as bid ask spreads start to tighten up, the new information gets incorporated into the into the model. So. The, the, the statistical technique we use is, is what's called a Bayesian filter, and uh, that Bayesian filter is a pretty powerful tool. It's used in Bayesian filters are used in all sorts of stuff uh, around machine learning, so you can consider it to be a kind of a machine learning technique that we've brought to bear on this problem. Okay, 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 thank you. If we can spin the conversation forward a little bit, so now that you've laid this foundational data point of the SIBO theoretical value, what's next? So going forward, you know, we'll keep improving the methodology across the global uh, derivatives markets. To that point, every market's a little different. The volatility behavior in equity indices is different from single names. Volatility behavior in European markets is somewhat different from, say, in U.S. markets. Uh, the way the markets are structured, the way they're quoted on the screens uh, are, all, are all somewhat different. And then commodities are different from equities and gold is different from corn and different from oil and different from that gas. So each of these requires uh, you know, perhaps a slightly different approach. Um, and so we'll keep improving the methodology across all those uh, different products. We also want to work to, to bring this methodology to bear on uh, the end-of-day mark-to-market pricing or end-of-day mark-to-market settlements, which go into the margin calculations that brokers and, and clearing houses use to, to mark um, the products at the end of the day. Uh, it also goes into things like index valuation. Another use case in the industry, which is uh, you know, always, always important, is, is to help with obvious error uh, detection and obvious error correction. The, you know, I'll take each of these a little bit separately. The end-of-day mark-to-market is, is important because, obviously, real dollars are pinned to that. The uh, simplest example of that is margin calculations. At the end of the day, someone's got to put up money uh, in terms of margin for their positions, and the end of day mark to market price will, is what the uh, brokers or, or the clearinghouse will use to designate that amount. So that that real money is tied to this. And if that end of day price is not sensible, either it's coming from wide bid ask spreads or uh, it's coming from a methodology that maybe doesn't doesn't really satisfy all the things we talked about, stability across time and, and arbitrage free and so forth. Well, then, then market participants can't predict accurately what their margin is going to be. It may be a surprise. So that predictability is important so that traders and, and portfolio managers know at the end of the day how much how much margin are they going to have to put up. So one of the things we want to do is bring this methodology to bear, particularly on Decebo's products such as SPX, uh, VIX, and uh, Russell options provide the marketplace with a solid, uh, sensible, stable, and coherent end-of-day mark-to-market price. Um, that that's a that's something that we're targeting uh, shortly, uh, probably in early next year, to uh, bring that one out to the public. Other areas that we want to keep focusing on is this notion of illiquid markets or times when the markets are closed. Uh, we certainly want to be able to provide you know better analytical data. Uh, risk data to market participants in those situations. We're going to bring 
this SIBO Theos into all of these SIBO information solutions, products, and services. Uh, we're starting with some of the Hanwick products. They'll go out to our customers on our uh, analytics data feeds, and then we'll bring this into other other SIBO products, such as FT Options products, Trade Alert, LiveVault, and so on. And we'll build this across the suite of products that that uh, Information Solutions offers. The uh, next step after that, I think, uh, as we move on, will be uh, obvious error review. So this is something that SIBO uh, and and SIBO's LiveVault team is very involved in, is helping the industry identify and, and correct obvious errors. Uh, so obvious errors are somebody does trade and the price was just so obviously wrong that it needs to be corrected. Um, you know, somebody typed in the wrong strike or they they fat fingered a price or something like that. By having a better theoretical value, an improved theoretical value, that gives a better indication to market participants of, of you know what would be obviously wrong. Uh, something very far away from that theoretical value is obviously wrong. So the better the theoretical value is, the the uh, the better and easier it is to detect these uh, these obvious errors. I think that will help the industry as a whole. Obvious error detection and obvious error correction has been a, a difficult thing for the options industry for for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And and our intention is you know, to bring bring a better tool to bear for everybody and improve this for the whole industry. And uh, Jerry, I think one final question. Uh, you mentioned margin calculations several times. Can you briefly elaborate on the margin analytic offering and how market participants can benefit from the SIBO Theo being incorporated? Certainly. Yeah. Uh, so margin, uh, in particular, portfolio margin, risk-based portfolio margin, uh, is an area that SIBO uh, Hanwick has been working on for quite some time. Uh, we offer several products there to calculate in real time portfolio margin on equity portfolios, futures uh, options portfolios. So these are methodologies that you may have heard of, risk-based haircuts or the, the, the TIMS methodology from the Options Clearing Corp, you know, SPAN, which is the, the methodology that's used primarily in the futures markets, uh, and, and also STANS, which is the methodology that the uh, Options Clearing Corp uses to margin its uh, its clearing members. So all of those margin calculations are risk-based. They look at the portfolio of options that the trader holds. They evaluate the risk under different scenarios uh, of that portfolio. So for example, the TIMS methodology shocks the underlying stock price up and down in various increments typically up and down 15% under 10 different scenarios for, for single names. And, and it's different for different indices. But you know, under each of those scenarios, there has to be a theoretical price assigned to, to that option. Uh, if, say, you know, Apple stock were to go down 15%, what would be the theoretical value on, uh, on its options? Um, Stans uh, is an even more complicated version of that, which is basically a, a giant Monte Carlo simulation. And Span sits somewhere in the middle with about 16 scenarios that get used there. So risk-based margin is pretty much tied to having a good theoretical value in two ways. One is having those scenarios, being able to sensibly calculate a theoretical value in each of the scenarios. Uh, And then most importantly, though, being able to mark uh, illiquid options to something sensible. So you know, right now, what is the value of this option? If you can't mark the option to market right now accurately, then it's going to be very hard to calculate the theoretical value under different scenarios. And so again, in times when bid-ask spreads are wide or in certain products where bid-ask spreads are naturally wide, this having a theoretical value that is, again, consistent across all strikes, arbitrage-free, and stable across time uh, is critical. 
Um, it's it's kind of uh, the, the the foundation really of of the the margin calculations is to have a very good input price for each of the options. So the SIBO theos will go into all of our margin calculations, our P&L calculations. This will feed into the SIBO Hanwick products as well as uh, P&Ls and, and, and risks, uh, risk calculations that go on in FT options mm-hmm. products as well as uh, Silex and Limefall. Okay, great. Thank you, Jerry. I, I, I think I learned more about theoretical options value in this podcast than I had known in my entire life previously. So I really want to thank you for uh, taking the time and, and sharing your insight on this. Well, thank you for having me. I'm Terry Flanagan, editor of Global Trading. Today, my guest was Jerry Hanwick, who's VP Software Engineering Information Solutions at SIBO. 